Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. I'm Ross Carl. We've got a big weekend of action coming up. The final round of the round robin in Super Rugby this year. And we've still got a top eight that... It's incomplete, really, isn't it? Anything could really happen here as far as who makes it into those final four spots. James Parsons with me in Auckland and down in Christchurch. We've got Bryn Hall. It's, it's heating up. Obviously, the Blues, we know, are now top of the table. You're obviously stoked about that the first time in a gazillion years that they're going just, in. Just keep your powder dry. Keep the powder dry. Keep the powder dry. The Crusaders rocked up another 60-odd points, so you're feeling pretty hot coming down into the playoffs as well. As per. As per. And the Brumbies, well, they just about shook up the Blues. They gave them a real good run for their money, despite having no possession and no territory. So there's a lot going on at the top. And then what's going to happen below them is yeah. a whole other thing altogether. So let's start with the quick fire round. Let's get into who impressed you this round. Player of the round for you. I want to go Blake Gibson. But I think he's edged by his teammate Julian Savia. I really enjoyed him this round. He was he was into everything. Do you, Brent? Um, yeah, a couple um, good guys um, that I um, mean, you know, Blake and Julian. And then I thought Billy Proctor was really good for the for the Hurricanes as well. And um, probably delving a little bit more into around that line out attack that the Hurricanes did really well on the weekend. Um, I thought Billy was really good. But um, I thought Fergus Burke he was my player of the round. I think considering um, you know Richie not being there and. Um, probably the last time he played against the Waratahs wasn't the result that he wanted, the performance that he wanted. But, you know, eight from nine in the kicking tee, um, scored a try and really marshaled us around and probably uh, set us up for that result on the weekend with his play on the weekend. It was a pretty solid performance from you guys. All up, must be pretty happy. Yeah, it was, mate. I think, um, you know, probably that just that loss from the Waratahs, it's just been a continuation of us trying to um, kind of simplify and being able to do some things that, we weren't doing it the early part of the season, and I think that's our, our collision area has been really good, both on um, attack and defence. And so, there's been a massive focus around that. You know, you probably look at the Blues; um, they've been probably been the last um, you know two months have been the um, the team to watch around that kind of collision area. And so, we're trying to be able to um, get a bit of movement around that. And look, our Lightning Quick Ball was the best on the weekend we've had the whole year. And so, uh, we knew that we wanted to put a lot of pressure on the Fijian draw. Um, through our attack and then also with our kicking game being able to plug them into corners and uh, making them make decisions where they were going to kick poorly or try to run it out from their half and um, you know giving three points as well 
um, was really good for our defense system that um, we had a bit of a focus on being able to keep um, the offload game from the Fijian draw, which we did really well. And like I said, being able to score three um, three points scored against us, um, it tests us up well going into a, a Reds team that you know we're going to have to up it again a little bit more. But I think it's um, harder done than, than they made it look like. The draw have put people under the pump physically. You know, most of their, their solid games or their wins, they've, they've dominated that collision. And, and the Crusaders just didn't let them into the match. They didn't let them get their tails up at any stage. They were, they were really ruthless in those collisions. And, and people will go, oh, yeah, sort of expect 61. But that's no easy feat um, against that side. And, and I think it does sort of show that the, the machine's starting to peak at the right end of the, the comp. Mm, mm. And you mentioned LQB. Now, as we go into talking about the match of the round, that's one thing the Blues didn't get and what everyone thought would be the match of the round. Is that your match of the round? No, no, I was salivating on Saturday, hoping it was going to be the match of the round, but it probably didn't live up to the hype, but I was pretty happy when that drop goal went over. Um, but for me, the Chiefs, I really enjoyed the Chiefs um, force game. I just thought that Chiefs team was, was on fire and obviously... Both my mate and I have a soft spot for our mate Gatlin, and I thought he was outstanding on the weekend. He run Tang on the line again. Yeah, when he looks really good. Oh, absolutely, and and his, and his, his mate outside him, um, Quintapaya, creates a lot of attention, which enables him to have that space to run through. Your match of the round, Bryn? No, I actually went for the Brumbies. The Brumbies in the in the Blues. I think. Um, look, it probably wasn't the the. The, the kind of the way the game wants to play it for Jipper, but I think the turnaround and what um, the delivery and the messages, what the coaches of the Brumbies were saying around the collision area, and probably if you're looking at um, the Blues, it's a great way for both, probably for their review around, you know, not getting that quick ball, and they'll probably be thinking around how they can do that better and implement things that can get that quick ball, because I, I thought the Brumbies were fantastic around the breakdown area defensively, uh, being able to win collision contacts, but very similar to what the Blues do in the ruck, um, whether it be the tackler or the assist tackler, been able then to flood through and been able to slow down the ball and, you know, giving Finley Christie um, a bit of trouble around that breakdown ball. So, um, and look, the ending as well, um, you know, been able to score that try. The Brumbies thought, you know, probably that line-out drive was going to be the end of that game and then uh, making a decision around if you're going to shut it out um, to go, you know, a minute, minute and a half in the game. And then um, time and time again, you know, this guy, Dalton Papali'i, continues to keep making big plays um, for that team and you'd be able to get that steal um, to give them a, an opportunity to be able to then go down, um, get in an advantage, and then, you know, Bodie slots that, that drop gold. So, um, you know, for me, it had everything um, that I thought I wanted to see, and um, it'll be awesome. it was an awesome game, and I was up, you know, up at late at night watching watching that game. Not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure Damon Murphy agrees with that accuracy around the breakdown there, Bryn, <laughs> with 16 penalties going towards the, the Brumbies. What I mean around that is that it's probably the first time, even, yes, they did get penalised into a couple of yellow cards, but I think it was probably the first time, I could be wrong here, but you've probably seen it as well, probably the first time in a while that you've seen the Blues not getting that go for, go quick ball, um, the offload game, and have been able to, um, I guess, dominate and been able to um, submit teams through to the way they're playing with their lightning quick ball. So even though they did get penalised, the Brumbies will look back at that thinking if we can get that right. Um, like Alan Alatoa probably had a different view around that in his post-match um, interview. But, um, you know, there were a few things there that the Brumbies uh, could take it definitely as positive. No, absolutely. Look, they came with a game plan to slow people down. <laughs> that was, there was no doubt about it. Um, but they were desperate as well. Like, they, they did hold the Blues up three times, forced a knock-on on Kurt Eklund as well. So um, it, it could have been a different story, but they just they had the, the grip between their teeth on the night. Um, and, and I think they'll be 
disappointed that they didn't finish that. You know, we've seen it so many times, Bryn, where you try to close a game out a little bit too early and you may be better off, um, you know, continuing to play. Um, but, yeah, it was... Uh, it was, it was a good result from my point of view anyway. They were next level niggly. Like I thought that actually 16 penalties was probably a little bit light on them. It could have been more because every breakdown, every offside line, every single time they pushed the envelope as hard as it could possibly be pushed. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that was their tactic. They clearly came in with like, we just have to slow that ball down and we have to, we can't allow that quick ball that Christie and the big forwards, when they get on that front foot ball, we've seen their offload game through the middle and, and win those collisions. They just didn't get the opportunity to do so. But the one thing that is you know, outstanding, and we've seen it you know, a number of times this year and, and it continues to happen, is the Blues are finding any way to win, mm. which is not something that you know, you'd probably have tagged against their, their name um, of the last few years. So, um, yeah, massive, massive um, excitement building in the club. But as I say, we just got to keep that... We, I mean the Blues, <laughs> we've just got to keep that powder dry. We know where you stand. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend. The amazing thing was that you wouldn't even call that clutch from Bodie because they had an advantage. You know, he, he can just have a crack at that. They actually had another way of winning it if they needed to. Yeah. Which is amazing considering how far downfield they were only a couple of minutes earlier. Well, as Bryn alluded to, the work of Dolts to get that turnover. But then, um, you know, even Heem, his composure out on the edge, it could have been easy to try and push that. But they built phases and, and they worked their way into it. Um, and even even the super sub, Big Carl, had a few big plays during that, that last 20 minutes as well. So, um, you know, a number of players that have probably had lighter loads are starting to stand up in, in important times of the season. And maybe alluding to what Bryn said earlier, when you can get a win like that, but also learn the number of lessons that they're going to have to learn from that game, Bryn, because of how things didn't go to plan at this time of the year, it actually, in a lot of ways, is kind of perfect for them. Yeah, I think it is. And look, I know you're, well, you could almost say you're not going to get complacent. And I think I know that Blues team isn't getting complacent because with Lord Leo McDonald and, you know, the, the players that they have here and the kind of success that they've had, they'll, they'll look at that and thinking, like, what a great, you know, great learning. Because, you know, for a lot of the weeks, they've been able to have things go in their way and been able to dominate collisions, have the offload game and really put teams away. But a result like that, especially in Canberra, don't underestimate how tough mm. it is in Canberra to go there and win a game in those kind of conditions. It really honestly felt like a finals finals footy night, a semi-final or quarter-final. There's a lot on the line. And being able to get a result like that, yes, they'll take away some learnings coming into the back end of the season and um, coming into the finals period. But, you know, situational football like that, getting a win, understanding what we might do differently to get a better outcome, you can have those conversations, um, you know, the early part of the week in their review to then when they do get in those situations again later in the part of the season, um, they've experienced that, they've talked about it, and uh, they can go out there and be real decisive knowing what they've um, done in their homework. So what do you do this week, Jipper? You've got top spot sewn up. You're coming off a performance which probably, you know, it's great to celebrate, but not as good as you could be. And you're going into a game in Australia against the Waratahs. What do you do in this particular position if you're the Blues? Do you rest players or do you play your top team? Well, I think they've potentially maybe get an opportunity to bring a few guys that may have some niggles back <clears throat> with limited minutes. But I, I do think guys that have had huge minutes um, potentially get get a breather so that they can come into that quarterfinal because it could potentially be three NZ derbies to win it. Mm. So I think fresh bodies as much as possible. But there are guys that they may need um, determined on injuries that you know need some minutes because they've had lighter loads. 
So I think it is a balance because you know, if we look at Akira and, and Reeks, maybe getting them a few minutes after a week or two off will, will be beneficial. But if you look at guys maybe like Eklund, Tucker, um, you know, Offer, potentially could freshen them up um, and, and, and give them you know, a bit of a breather, even Dalton mm. to a point as well, and, and Hoskins. Um, whether there's enough team members fresh and ready to go, I don't know. But I, I would, I'd be looking to get them as fresh and as focused just to be watching the Highlanders and prepping for that one game. People will be saying that it's their title to lose in the position that they're in right now. Is it their title to lose? Oh, I, I always think um, they're in the best position to win it because it's in their own... Um, you know, in, in their own control. You know, if they go all the way, they've got home. That we know how good that blue side is at home. Um, but as I say, like the, the old mate here, um, they, they they know how to win finals footy. They know how to peak. They've got some fairly experienced All Blacks mm. um, that know that test match level intensity. So they're they're a real threat. And and from what I saw of both the Chiefs, but more importantly the Hurricanes, the way you know a lot of late shuffles for them. And to put on the performance they did, I think, was exceptional as well. Now they've got a bit of a backs against the wall trip to the force. You know, sometimes that can, you know, that 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 may make them feel like you know it's against them, but it also might galvanise them as a group and say, you know, we're going to go out and do something special. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's still a little bit to play out yet, and I think the 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 injuries and the freshness of the bodies will be key. There's plenty to play out with the Chiefs on 41, the Hurricanes on 38, the Waratahs on 37, the Reds on 35, <coughs> and even the Highlanders face the chance of missing out because the Force have two games this week. And if they nail both of them, then the Highlanders could be gone if they don't get it right themselves against the Rebels. So there's a lot on the line here. Um, maybe just jumping back to what we were talking about with the Blues and home advantage, you know what it's like to win a Super Rugby final away from home. In fact, the Crusaders from my counting, have probably won four, including their first three, all the way from home. And probably the hardest one in Joburg. Yes, yeah, so this isn't something that's going to worry the Crusaders, is it, really? Oh, I think, look, I think ideally you'd love to have home advantage because preparation-wise, it's the best way to be able to win a final. You're in your own bed, got similar um, surroundings, and it's you know it's a great way to be able to prepare for a final. But, um, yeah, we have had experience, but to be honest, not a lot of our young guys have been in that, um, in that cauldron I think you know in 2017 a lot of those experienced guys that we did have um have left and it's a new it's a new team um that's been able to have that opportunity if it comes uh, but i guess for us you know we have been lucky enough there are a lot of guys from that 2017 team that are still around and you know if it did come to a possibility of being able to go away from home then um, we can go on that experience but for us um, there's a lot of rugby to be played before that and to be honest it's just week to week and you're not you know you don't you're not given anything um, it's this game you have your last round robin game and then from there you just game by game, and you just take one game at a time. And um, it's probably going to be the Reds, actually, looking at the table. And um, we could be playing the Reds twice, um, twice in a row. Is that a good thing? Two weeks in a row? Oh, I think it's different. Um, it's different. Not many times you play around around Robin game, and then you end up playing the the same team. But um, I think review wise, um, it's a lot easier to be able to then know. You know, it's two weeks of being able to see the same opponents, and you know, you're not going to change much now um, as, as a team. There might be a few altering things that you do as a team, and the Reds could do, and vice versa. Um, but I think we take we can take it as a positive. You're playing the, t the same team twice, and your review is probably going to be a lot easier in your preview, knowing you're playing the same um, team, and you can concentrate more so on yourself. And what you can get right to try and um, to try and get the result in the following week. I think also for the second week playing them, you can have a bit of a lighter load, and I think that's quite key going into quarterfinal. The more you can freshen up the bodies for the for the bigger you know 
opponents ahead if, if the Crusaders get through the Reds, um, the better. So there is there is a positive in it in, in that sense as well. Mm, mm. Okay, let's have a look at that chance of making fourth spot um, and getting that last home playoff game. So the Chiefs, as I mentioned before, currently sitting in that position. The Hurricanes three points behind them. You've got the Waratahs also there and for a shot of, of making it into fourth place. Uh, who do you think is going to take that spot? You'd have to think it's the Canes. You, you'd, you'd, you'd think the Chiefs can do a job. I know they've got to travel to Fiji and, and play in Lautoka, which will be an intense environment. But, um, you know, I, I think they'll, with that home quarter on the line, they'll, they'll deliver. Um, and the Canes do have a tougher trip, but they are playing a fourth side that's going to play here in New Zealand on the Tuesday and fly back. Um, so both, both sides are travelling the same distance, so you'd, you'd have to like um, the chance of the Canes slipping into that fifth spot as well. So you think there's a, a more likely chance of the drawer upsetting the Chiefs? Yep, but I don't think that'll happen either. So I don't think it's a likely... I think it's an intense environment, but I think the Chiefs will be too good. Yeah. Where do you see it going, Bryn? Yeah, I see it similar. I see the Chiefs going to um, get that home fi- home quarter final against, and they'll end up playing the Hurricanes. I think. I think they'll um, they'll get the job done, and then being able to get ready for a quarter final, a tough quarter final. If you're looking around the quarter finals, um, that's probably the toughest one. I think. You know, looking ahead for next uh, next week, and then you know, if you're the Waratahs, you know, finishing sixth, and they're not you know not having to travel too far. You know, if the Primaries get the job done against Moana Pacifica. Um, you know, they just have to travel um, to Canberra to probably get a derby game that possibly they could want instead of playing a New Zealand team. And can the Force do it? Can the Force pick up two wins from Tuesday's game against MP and then a game against the Hurricanes? Like, that seems like a step too far, doesn't it, to, to, to have a chance of taking out the Highlanders? Well, if you'd asked me three or four weeks into the comp, no. But they, they seem to have just fallen off a cliff. Um, towards then, I don't know if it's depth of squad or having the ability, um, you know, to be in the one place. Like their travel regime is a lot harder than most, um, but I think that's a that's a hefty ask. Like Moana Pacifica are going to be pretty motivated. They probably haven't had the season that they have wanted, and you know it's been challenging with the amount of rescheduled games they've had to face. So mm. they'll target this one as one to try and peg themselves um, off the bottom of that table as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The Highlanders obviously can, can get in there with a the win against the Rebels. That's not necessarily easily done going away to Melbourne on a, um, on a Sunday afternoon. They find themselves in a hell of a pickle, especially at 10, after what happened with Sam Gilbert on the weekend and his upending of uh, Michael Hooper. I suppose, first and foremost, you know it was pretty reckless and Hooper was pretty pissed off about it and thought he should admit some weeks, which is rightfully so, but it leaves them... Probably without him, Mitch Hunt out with concussion. Who plays 10 for the Highlanders this weekend? I'm going to steal our mate, uh, our producer mate, Will's idea. He, he's a big Highlanders fan, and um, he's suggesting uh, Villamoni Karoi. He's playing club rugby, mm-hmm. um, and you, if you think you want to spark a team, especially attacking-wise, uh, he, would, he would certainly bring bring something to the table. We've seen him at 10 a lot for Otago at NPC level. Um, and, and I tell you what, they had, a, they had a punt with Gilbert and it came off. Um, you know, he wouldn't be too far. And, and they've still got Marty Banks there mm-hmm. as safety, but I think if you're going to have a crack, you might as well put him out there to start and then someone of Banks' experience can come on and settle things down if it doesn't go to plan. What do you think, Brian? 
Um, I think they'll. I think they'll go with Marty. I think they'll start with with Marty, and then you know, if you bring you know Villamoni Kuroi onto the bench um, to be able to cover that role, and if you need that kind of impact, um, I think you know having him on or coming off the bench is probably the option. But then Ross, you brought up a pretty good idea having old uh, Aaron Smith and Flaffa Katava, nine <laughs> ten combo. Well, we've seen TJ. Distribution. We've seen TJ drop out to uh, first receiver, right? We've seen a fair bit of that. In fact, on the weekend, even there was a couple of nice touches from TJ at first receiver. Um, whether you'd want to do it for a whole game is another thing altogether. Well, you know, we've seen it, and I think you know, nobody would have thought you know Gilbert was going to be able to play ten, um, you know, with Hunty being there. So look, um, wouldn't would not be surprised if Tony Brown chucked out some of you know, the two nines playing um, playing nine and ten. But I think they'll go uh, Marty Banks and then possibly Kuroi on the bench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck to them. Do they? This might not even be an issue um, for them as far as the qualification is concerned, maybe if it wasn't for that red card. Um, do you think that they would have won that game if Sam Gilbert was still on the field? Definitely changed. Like The Waratahs took a full advantage of that 20-minute period, didn't they? And, and they went into the break with their tails up. Um, and, and I do think it potentially would have given them a better opportunity, but I thought the Tars played well and, and they, you know, like we've seen a lot of time when these red cards have happened, the, the team that actually has received them is, is almost, you know, galvanised and, and turned up time and time again, but it, it wasn't the case and I think it was the way the Waratahs went about their business. Um, they, were, they were pretty direct, they wanted to suck in defenders, give themselves the opportunity out wide and if it didn't suck in defenders, we saw with Will Harris's try, um, they just went straight between them and, and scored points that way as well. So I actually think it was well orchestrated that 20 minutes from the Tars. Mm, one thing's for sure, Tony Brown was pissed off. Like, and there's no other way of putting it in the post-match. Um, there were a few beeps probably needed. Um, unfortunately, it's live television and you can't really do much about that. He attributed it to poor, pre poor preparation and a lack of commitment. Is that a fair assessment, Bryn? Oof, man, it's tough when you hear that kind of stuff uh, from your coach. Uh, preparation, first and foremost, is probably the most one of the most important things. And if you're having that question, then you're probably not getting your homework homework throughout the week. And, you know, it comes into a point where you're not decisive, being able to be real clear around what you're doing, and then um, your intent. If you talk, well, What was the other word you used, Ross? What other word did Tony use? Uh, lack of commitment and poor preparation, as well as the yeah, lack of commitment. <laughs> yeah, minus the F word. Um, yeah, lack of commitment. Yeah, I think it probably very similar actually for us against the the Waratahs. You know, we talked around our commitment and being able to was our mindset really there against the Waratahs. And I know for us as a group, you know, so this is probably following on for them going over to Melbourne. Um, you'd like to think there's going to be a flick in the switch to be able to get that mindset right, knowing you know that there's a semi, there's a quarterfinal berth, and being able to get more confidence going into that. Because look, um, if you're not getting your preparation and your commitments being asked of your coaches, um, I know as a senior leader in that team, you'd be thinking, all right get behind me and being able to let's rectify this and it doesn't come into question um, ever again in your team because that hurts the player job I know if you ever got your preparation got you know question and your commitment um, that's a really tough one to look in the mirror if you're getting those things questioned as a team and, and as an individual yeah it, it would be pretty hard to hear but I, I, from what I know of Tony Brown never been coached by him but he's a players coach mm. so he does have the ability to get um, what's needed out of the players and, and potentially um, yes, he would have been frustrated, but potentially he was looking to get a reaction um, and a, and a yeah. sharpness in their focus going into this week so that they give themselves an opportunity. Um, we know this side, man, if their back's against the wall, they're they are a serious threat. And, you know, we've talked about options at 10 and 
yeah, they don't have a lot of um, Super Rugby experience, but Marty Banks has won, won a title and Kuroi has um, carved many a team up. If, if the, so players like that can get going, there's still enough there to, to light things up and maybe he was just trying to put that fire um, in the belly for them so that they could go over to Melbourne, get a job done and do it convincingly to send <coughs> a message. And, I mean, a week can make a big difference. Only last week we were talking about how they were coming on strong. This week we were talking about the lack of preparation and commitment. So in a week's time, we could be talking about them coming on yeah. strong again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, look, I, I just think they've faced some challenges other teams haven't, and a lot of it's around in injuries, um, personnel changes, you know, not being able to have a settled 15 going into the finals. Um, you know, it, it does play a big part. Mm, I'm not sure if you guys read this, and this is going off script a little bit. Uh, I read an article that the 20-minute red card is soon going to be Gonski's. World Rugby doesn't want a piece of that. It quite likes the 50-22, and it quite likes the goal line dropout, but... The twenty-minute red card could be a thing of the past. Um, are you, would you? Be what are they going to go to? Um, just back. What to are the they going to go to? Back to back to the old one. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm a fan of twenty-minute red card. I've I've said it time and time again. Um, I think you know we've got a um, opportunity to move with the times a little bit and um, make sure that our product's delivering what our consumers need. And and fifteen v fifteen. Um, more often than not, there has to be a penalty, and sometimes that comes at the judicial level. And you know, 20 minutes with 14 players to me is is a pretty severe penalty. And as I explained, the Waratahs <coughs> implemented their game plan very well when they were down to 14, um, and other teams could have done that, you know, previously. So a lot of times when a red card's given and the other the team that got the red card wins, it's not a great advert for it, is it? Because people feel like if you get a red card, you should lose. But it's not always the case, even when they go for 70 minutes. Mm. Um, you know, you've got to execute um, the right plans and you've got to react to the defensive pitches that you're given to score the points still. Yeah, it seems like it's basically a reaction to the fact that there's not enough punishment and these things are still happening. Um, but, you know, in the end, Bryn, the effect on the game is probably more detrimental than that. You know, if they're happening anyway, they're happening anyway. Yeah, so, but I, I also think as well, like, if that's the decision, that's the decision, we've just got to get on with it. You know, yeah. like, sometimes we dwell, dwell on these things too much. Like, if that's what it is, we just need to move on and um, you know find, find ways through it. Like, I think we've got to start promoting our product um, and talking about it in a positive light rather than getting caught up in you know things that are out of our control. Yeah, yeah. Don't stop me from getting into micro yeah. details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Brent? Yeah, I think. Funny enough, we actually got told that today um, from Razor around um, that law uh, possibly being chatting or not. Well, sorry, not that that 20 minutes is going to go but the fact that um you know probably world rugby are thinking that they're not getting it right and there's been not enough punishment for people to get um the action that they're wanting around not enough red cards and getting whether it be a tip tackle or a tackle technique um they're finding that they're not getting the rewards around um, the change that they need so they're taking away the ability to be able to have that 20 minute um, and then rewarding the player rewarding the team to be able to bring somebody back on um, you know, they're probably finding that um, it's not a harsh line and being able to go back to re to normal and then really having an influence on a game instead of that 20 minutes. You know, you know, we've seen it with Sunday Bill, the, the example that's been used a lot. Coming in the first 10, 15 minutes, it's much easier to be able to hold on and be able to simplify your game plan for 20 minutes, uh, let alone uh, for 60 minutes, which is really tough to do. And you lose, you lose test matches um, when you lose a pivotal person, whether it be like a first five or a, a, a seven or you know a mid midfielder back for, for long periods of time. Mm. And if people are angry about the way that these laws, you know, are looking for safety first and forgetting about necessarily the fact that rugby is just one of those games where sometimes a bad angle happens, 
this is really going to piss them off because it's taking the, the punishment to the next level, right? And all of a sudden, it's going to be in a place where they're not happy. Yeah, but it's not um, a foreign concept. Mm. You know, it's been around for since the end of time. The 20 minute is the foreign concept and yeah. it clearly hasn't reached the levels um, or I suppose everyone in the world hasn't agreed that it works. Some parts of the world, I think, you know, we're pretty evident the Southern Hemisphere enjoys it, but, you know, clearly the Northern don't. Because I'm off script, I'm going to stay off script. And we're going to jump straight into our Rethinking Rugby segment. We've been doing Rethinking Rugby for a few weeks now. We look at things, at new ideas that can change the game. This week, I'm going to look at an idea that's been changed that, in my opinion, has changed it poorly and it needs to be changed back. World Rugby <laughs> is going to carry on with the goal line dropout. Now, on the weekend, we saw the Blues held up three times and then have a goal line dropout come at them. Now, in my world... If you get over the opposition's goal line, you should be rewarded. You shouldn't be rewarded for holding up someone who's 100 metres downfield from where you want to be. You sh it should be a, a scrum. It should go back to a scrum because this does not reward you for getting over the goal line, which is what you're trying to do. That has got to go, in my opinion. So when I was a player, this came in. And I remember Tom Coventry and myself sitting down like a couple of old battlers and said, we're ruining the traditions of the game. It takes away the pick and go. It's taking away from our scrums. But the more and more it's <laughs> come along, I think there needs to be something else because I just can't listen to people saying they don't want to see scrums every time, every two seconds. So if we add scrums back in, that's only going to yeah. you know, elevate and heighten those issues. So why not? And have a look at the bar bars under 20s. I've put a lot of thought into yes, this. Yes. And their little wall chip kick. We bring back, if it's held up, you've got to do a wall move. Simple as that. A tap Perfect. wall move. Yes. And you've got to bring back some thought and a little bit of, uh, of bar bars flair, force bar bars flair. Yeah, that's amazing. A wall move. Did you see the New Zealand bar bars 20s? No, I didn't. Oh, have a look. Go on their Instagram and have a look. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, um, Nakota Broughton literally. Catches the ball, kicks it over his head, and they score. They chase through, catch it, score. Uh, uh, mate. He's, he's in the wall, and he kicks it over He's his in the head. middle of the wall, kicks it over his head, and I'm then one of the players comes from, I think it was the centre, came from the centre yeah. and yeah. caught it, scored. Wow. Screaming from wall, but that was done in the bar bars. I remember no, um, Gus, they did the, uh, the actual yeah. bar bars. Yeah. Gus, no. Gus knocked it on. Yeah. I was in that team, and yeah. um, I think yeah. it was Stephen Luatua um, kicked it over his head. And it was supposed to be like Colin Gus Slade or something running through, and Big Gus got excited, <laughs> and he, he went off script, and, and he butchered it. <laughs> we like that though, a war move, that's, old, that's some 80s stuff. Yeah, that's, that's Barbar's flair, mate. Yeah. Just bringing it back to Super Rugby. But, totally, but this goal line dropout is wrong, right? It just doesn't, it's not right in that situation. I think one thing you possibly could do, um, if you're thinking outside the box and you don't want, as a purist, having the scrums back, it just be it's just a tap the team that has the ball then just has to tap the ball well, and they can play that's so where i was going them. with the wall move mate. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah not, not a wall you don't force want to have a wall i'll tell you what mate, force the wall, wall. <laughs> hashtag force nah. the wall <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that, that the idea of a tap it takes it away yeah um, you know but you still have the and team I reckon that, like, that had the, imagine a tap friend as soon as it's held up, the person that's held up like gets up rather than waiting for TMO. He knows he's held up, and it, you can go as quick as you get it back to the five. You know, yeah. So and yeah. you're away. If the if the attacking team feels they're held up, and you know TMO's like called boom, you're gone. Yeah. So you got to be like you'd have to be on on edge. Yeah. And you have to have the ref in that position. Like, 
as a as a player, I know that like um, you know, let's say you know you look at the Brumbies game for example. You know, the Blues were dominating um, that set that first half and been able to beat camped up in their side, sorry, in their half. And you know, you build a lot of pressure you're down that twenty two meters over a long period of time, and you almost when they go over and you've been able to held up. The, honestly, it just feels like it's a your pressure's relief. You're like, you know what, man, thank thank God that's done. We can just sit our line, we can take a breath, get a deep breath, and then be able to then sit our line, and then we can boot it 50 meters, and the pressure's off right then and there. Yeah. So um, I, I, I agree with you, Ross, being able to have the ability for the team that's um, that has the ball in that line-out moment, even though they haven't scored the try, I think, yeah, you're right, they still need to be able to have the ball, and that can be just with a tap or a hashtag wall. Hashtag wall move. Brilliant. Or give the team the choice. But I like the idea of cutting out the TMO, and if you know you're held up and you get that ball back quick, yep. you try and catch teams off guard because so many tries get scored that way as well. Yeah, I just right. came up with that on the fly. I went off script. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I still want the wall in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You'd, then, but you'd have to get all of those forwards to somehow get back five metres super quick with nah, just, Brumby's lying all over the top of them. Yeah, and Yeah, just quickly. And then penalty try if you, you hold them back or something. Just yeah, yeah. be r- real ruthless on it. Super ruthless. I've just got this image of Bryn Hall taking that tap, passing it to the wall, and doing that the halfback scoot around the the back of them all, like the fake one where yeah. you pretend you got the ball, like you've almost stuffed it up your jersey and you're carrying on around the corner. We did an awesome one um, when the NZ Barber played the Maori, and we did a wall, um, and Ben Tamiafuna ran from like 20 metres back. And he went through the middle of the wall, and like he was like centimetres from scoring, but it, it should be a big job. Yeah. You get a you get a big fella coming through the wall. Um, you grit your teeth. Yeah, bite a, down on the guard. It's a beautiful thing. I've got a really good memory of the 1991 World Cup and Zinzanbrook going through the middle of a wall move against Italy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think it was, and he just went like, and it, you know, the Red Sea parted and yeah. Zinzan Brock went through and <laughs> try time. Beautiful. Just, just a, it is a beautiful thing. Was it 35 years to the day yesterday? Oh no, Sunday. Did it since John Kerwin's try in the Against Italy, World yeah. Cup. Yeah, yeah. That's gone quick. Yeah. <laughs> even though I was one when it happened. But... <laughs> there yeah. you go. I actually don't think I was one. I was 0.2. <laughs> Still a memorable moment for you. Oh, massive. Massive. Yeah, huge moment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of Auckland wingers, um, Kate List, that was a great segue. By yeah. Way. Caleb Clark. Caleb Clark, uh, injury this weekend, got a bit of a hamstring, could be out for a few weeks. 
uh, where do the Blues go in that position if Caleb Clark isn't around and how does it affect the way that they're performing over the next few weeks? Well, I think they've been pretty fortunate in that spot. You know, AJ Lamb's been, you know, really strong when he's had opportunities. Um, you know, you could even look at moving someone like Bryce Heem out there to have a bit of experience. So I don't, I, I personally don't think that's an area um, that they're light in. Mm. And I think they'd be better off taking the time and, you know, if they get the ability to, if it is a couple of weeks, getting him potentially to the semi-final then, rather than trying to rush him back. Because I, I just think there's more, more than enough depth um, in that position for them. Yeah, yeah. Where would you go if you were them? Um, oh, you've got AJ. Yeah, I thought AJ Lamb for when Caleb Clark was injured earlier part of the year. He was, um, you know, you probably said one of the form wigs in the composition. And so his ability to be able to play um, a straight swap for Caleb. Um, you've also got, you know, like Bryce Heem with the experience with his ability to just to fix it really he's great under the high ball um i can imagine his i don't know his communication skills or having that understanding of being a winger as well um but then you know that's with rico obviously coming back and center not too sure what his um his time is but yeah i'd go probably um bryce Heem or aj lamb but you do lose something with caleb clark and like look i know they've got some good backups but you know i'll tell you what even though he's the first part of that that game his ability to break tackles one-on-one -on -one and what he can bring to that Blues team, um, he's, a, he's a big loss for them, even you, though they do have um, a bit of you, someone in behind. You, you do lose something because he is a game-breaker. Like Even on the weekend before he did it, man, <laughs> he's just something else. Yep. Um, but if there's a time to do it and it's a two-week injury, you'd much rather, like, I'm just saying, like if it was a quarter-final and he was going to miss a semi and a final, I think it would be mm. you know, a, a bigger... Um, problem to solve but you know yeah I, I really rate AJ and I think um, you know he loves an opportunity he's been great um, for MPC and, and he's had a number of opportunities at Super Rugby level now I think he's showing he's good enough for this level so oh, he'll, he'll, he'll embrace yeah he'll, he'll embrace the opportunity yeah. um, in his relaxed style so um, it'll be exciting. It has been a lot of fun watching Caleb, those massive legs and a oh. you know, big, powerful ass that he's got. And yeah. You watch him break through those tackles and go, how the hell do you stop that? That, how that many lower body does is he want? outrageous. He's just up, he's into it again, yeah. he's coming from all angles. It's, it's great to see. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where you go, I watch the game to watch people like that. Mm. Like you actually get a little bit excited going, Caleb Clark's going to be playing today, you know? And that's, that's pretty cool. That's what mm. it's all about, right? 100%. Um, the other person who got out on the weekend was Sam Kane. Um, obviously the All Blacks captain, obviously pretty worrisome as a knee injury for the Chiefs heading into the playoff time. Bryn, how can this affect their playoff run? Do they have the cover required to be as strong at the breakdown and in the tackle areas they would have been if Sam Kane was there? Oh, look, I think any time you lose a guy like Sam Kane, um, you know, he's a world-class player. And so, um, you know, the depth that they would have, you know, you've got Jacobson, um, you've got Peter Gus as well there, and other players that they can be able to put in there. But um, look, whenever you lose that kind of um, that kind of leader and that kind of presence and player, um, it will affect the Chiefs. But, you know, they've got enough depth in that squad um, to be able to uh, facilitate towards that. And hopefully, do we know how long Sam's going to be out for? We don't. Has we it don't been know how bad it is yet. Mm. Um, but I think a, a player probably put his hand up to potentially solve that issue on the weekend with um, Finau. Mm. So, you know, they get Lord back, um, potentially Retallick. Uh, we've seen Tupo Vai's ability to play six. Finau could play six, and then I think Jacobson mm. could fill the seven jersey. Yep. I don't know where Mitch Carpick's at. Um, you know, he's another option as well. So, and, and Peter Gus going back to eight. 
So I, I think mm. they've got enough depth in that position. No one's going to be able to replace Sam Kane. Let's let's make no bones about it. But I don't think it stalls their season. When they did miss Sam Kane a few years ago, they had Lachlan Bashir, who was arguably the player of the tournament each year. Yeah. You know, through those times. Yeah. So it's a bit tougher, isn't it? But they, those those times without Sam Kane over the years have probably allowed them, much like the Crusaders often do, to build a certain amount of depth. Yeah, well, positions. you even look at um, Caelan Boshier this year playing at six, a couple of games in a row. Like He made my form 15 a couple of times. So he's another name that, you know, I'm not sure of his injury status or if he's available. Um, but there's, I'm just, you know, the thing is there's a lot of depth there. They've, they've got the ability. And one thing with Clayton McMillan, um, he'll just find a way. And, and that's the same with the Chiefs. And, and Brad Webber, the skipper, will just, you know, be business as usual, I'd say. Yeah, and there were some players on the weekend, Bryn, for the Chiefs. I mean, I think we've already mentioned your boy Bryn Gatlin, but, gee, some of the players outside him were pretty hot on the weekend. Yeah, they were. Look, I thought, um, you know, it's a good chance to probably talk about Quinn Depire. I thought he was um, he was outstanding on he was outstanding on the weekend. Um, his ability to be able to go back to that that twelve jersey around uh, where he's you know where he's made most of his money and where he wants to be with the Chiefs and the All Blacks. But he has ability to break to break the line. You know, he just, he's just deceptively strong. You wouldn't say Quinn is, is quick, but um, his ability to be able to break contact and get through those little gaps where you think, you know, is he going to get through? And he ends up getting through or with an offload. And you know, I've also enjoyed his, his distribution game. Um, you know, so I think you know, for the twelve in the All Blacks, I think having that ability to be able to distribute is going to be massive. And I think you know the the, the positive that Quinn does and what he does really well has been able to be um, really um, really good into contact. And I think he continued to do that on on the weekend as well. I think all twelves that are in line for the All Blacks have got the distribution skills. Mm. I think where the point of difference will need to be is getting over that game line, like a Ma'anonu, like a Nani Lamapi, and you know, busting, getting front foot ball, and, and that's what Quinn did on the weekend. So too, yeah. I thought Jack Goodhue, you know, he was, he looked like a centre at times the way he distributed, especially that try to Sever Reese. Like you just saw how good he is. It just reminded you how good he is as well. Mm. <laughs> so again, it's just cramming up again but yeah I mean not to take away from Quinn because I thought he was you know fantastic but what his point of difference is is man he just gets over that game line um, and he doesn't look like a huge customer but he just must be seriously powerful and strong to and, and smart like Bryn says he picks picks and you know he gets in between tacklers rather than trying to go over top them when I think about Jack Goodhue, my first thought is good lines good distribution I don't necessarily think game line he's got a bit of that in his game Bryn yeah, he does. He's about 105 clicks um, at the moment, so he's got a big boy. Uh, but I think it's not Jack a has a part of your game plan, though, is it? Really, like it doesn't mean he can't no. do it, but it's not a big part of the Crusaders' DNA that yeah. crashing 12 all the time. That's what I mean. I think you know what you saw probably on the weekend, the ability that Jack has to be able to get that that last pass away under pressure to put people away. Second is his know. biggest. Um, yeah, it's his biggest strength. You know, I look at the the one he gave to Sever, his ability you know, it was almost in the air getting tackled. It was about to get that ability out the back and even you know, playing off nine, the, the wide pass, the 12, and his ability to go straight to the line, uh, very similar to Dave, to be able to get it out the back. But I think you're right, Jim. It's just probably not in our, in our DNA to be able to do that crash bash. But I think at the next level and what we saw, you know, played out pretty evidently in the Rugby Championship and the Northern Hemisphere Tour, you've got to be able to have that uh, combative style and, you know, getting over the advantage of like a, like a Ma'anonu or Nani Lao Mapi, and again, still having those distribution skills that all these 12s probably have, but it's that person that's going to be able to 
I think one of those collision areas and being able to get over the front foot um, is going to be probably really important uh, when selecting the midfielders for this, um, you know, the Island series and moving forward. Especially in early in a test match, not to get onto the Irish test matches, I am a little excited, <laughs> but I just think early in a test match that's going to be so key um, is, you know, off line outs, off scrums, trying to be direct, take it to them, get good clean outs, quick ball, you know, and, you know, almost like they did um, up in Dublin where they scored, you know, they got those deep cleans and they come around the corner forwards and, you know, try, like, that, that's such a key it's, part and so, something Bundy does really well for Ireland. And that's what I mean around, around that, Joe. I'm glad you brought that up because if you look at Bundy, he's not a, a big guy. No. You know, he, he's, he's stocky and he's very similar to a lot of our builds in the New Zealand twelves. but what Ireland do so well is they give him opportunities to be able to play and ball play, whether that be a one-on-one, -on -one, he's got to try to fix his defender, because he's got so much animation and that lightning quick ball that the Irish get. It gives guys like Bundy Arke the ability to be able to play and play on top of teams and make decisions where I think probably last year in the All Blacks, you know, the, it probably wasn't like that. The ability to be able to win the game line and win those collisions wasn't being able to give the likes of Dave and the, our midfielders to be able to show their distribution skills. And earlier part of the year, you look at probably um, playing the Australian teams and even Fiji when we played them, um, the ability where Dave and our, our midfielders were able to then have their distribution skills and there wasn't so much of that crash bash and being able to get over the gay line, being able to go to their skills and what they're really good at skills is with our 12. So, um, but again, I think what we saw from the India tour, um, you've got to be able to have that in your game because um, it was evident when we played in that Northern Hemisphere style that now we needed that moving forward. Talk a little bit more about animation um, because when you talk about Ireland and even Leinster, when you watch Leinster as well, animation is a key thing. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so let's use the example that probably most New Zealand teams and all around Australia, off a, off a line-out drive, you've got pretty much every single team is hitting the 12, and then you've got a 13 outside the, the, the 12 running a down line, and you've got a 10 and an 11. Those are probably the four players and the animation that you want to work collectively to be able to manipulate to manipulate the defence. So an example that Jip used earlier in there was when we saw Aaron Smith defending um, on Davey and Lester. It's the ability to be able to um, Davey fixes that first guy, whether it be the first defender. Usually it's a 10. You want to get to the 10. And that 12 is running, or whoever that midfield is, is running hard into that space inside shoulder of the 12. And then you've got the 10 and the winger on the outside going out the back who is trying to fix the 13 who's outside the 12. And you've got the disconnection of the winger. So if you look at actually um, the Hurricanes, for example, off the line-out strikes, this is another example, you look at the disconnection and the ability of them to be able to the line of Billy Proctor to get into that space and then being able to go around them had the rebels in absolute all sorts so but you only get that right if you're running the right lines and you've got the right animation so if that if that centers too early or the guys in the back whether it be a 10 and a wing are coming around swinging they're too early or too late it's so easy to be able to make the defensive reads a 13 and a winger in those outside channels so look at the hurricanes the two hurricanes if we get a visual around what that looks like um, it's a perfect way of how you manipulate and your animation is at a world-class level and the Hurricanes did on the weekend when they played the Rebels in that kind of 13 and winger transition role on the weekend. But I think it's also the consistency of those lines. So the defenders yeah. are only going to get confused if you run the exact same line at the exact same time yeah. and you hit someone else. Yeah. And, and using Davies' example or using the Hurricanes' example, both times they picked the right guy that had, you know, they read the defence. So the defence gives you the cues who you choose. They've read that he's bit on Proctor, so they go out the back and they score down that way. Next time he tries to hold out, 
they go short. You know, that's not easy, that decision. You know, we sort of talked about Bryn Gatlin early in the year. And it's one thing those guys giving animation around a Bryn Gatlin when he's running to the line. But it's another thing picking the right guy. I think we used the Moana Pacifica game where he <coughs> chose Nankerville and I think he put Slater through as well. So it's the it's it's one thing having the animation, but the consistency of the animation is what makes defences think, okay, who's it going to now? Because this looks exactly the same as the last time it was run and they hit that guy. So I'm going to him and then it's like, boom, they hit Proctor. Yeah. Try to So to take I this back... Also, I think also, Ross, if you look at Ireland, you know, if we're looking around how they play in the second another level to international level, if you look at the forwards and the ability, you know, you'd probably look at, you know, the reviews and the media actually saying around the forward play of our, of our tidies, which you know, whether people want to agree with or not. But if you're looking at Ireland around how their ball carriers um, and how close they take it to the line and the animation and their skill set of that, of, you know, let's look at the, the three forwards and you've got Sexton in the back and then runners off that. You look at the animation of how much they take that to the line. You've got a guy running an inside line of where they need that space to make the decisions for the defender. Sexton's coming around the back, and then you've got guys that are running in the exact same hole where they need to be every single time. So if you get in there on top of lightning quick ball, it's so hard for defenders if you're consistently running those same lines and your animation out the back of rovers, whether it be your blindside winger or it might be a fullback in and around the 10 as well, um, it's really hard to be able to defend. And I think Ireland, um, their forwards and their face play shape is probably the best in the world at the moment. And is that where the All Blacks are falling down? They're not getting the lightning quick ball required to put the animation into play? Well, it makes it a lot easier when you win those collisions. You're on the front foot ball. You're running into spaces rather than a wall. Mm. You know, so it's easier to run in downline to an inside shoulder when they're trying to backpedal to get on side and then to come up and bring line speed. It's, and then you're just picking them off. And that's when Ireland at the best. But they are selfless lines, animated lines, like especially for some forwards. They might run that tip all day and they'll never get it. But they're always committing that defender. I'm committing you every time because I'm running into that space. And if you're not selfless and you think, oh, actually, I'm just going to rest this one, well, then that opportunity out there, people can read that body language. So, you know, I think Ireland's forwards discipline is, is outstanding. And, and we've used Furlong and um, Porter a number of times, but they, they run literally the same line every time and, th and that's why they're so good at it now and they have the skills to back it up yeah and, and i think what Bryn's saying as well they run square at the line so they really line you up they commit you and he, you know someone like furlong still has the ability to give it out the back to sexton mm. which is yeah. not e like it seems easy but at, at full post yeah. test match yeah. level it's quite hard yeah a good example of that is around like you know like you said the ability a skill set's really really hard if, you, if you're trying to go right to the line as a ball player and for a forward and then you've got to be able to look at him right at the last moment. You're putting that trust to be able to just put it outside, out in front for Sexton or that 10. Mm. It's really hard. Obviously, some teams that don't do it well is they'll get too scared. They'll go to the line, they'll attack the line, but then they'll turn early and they won't go hard to the line. And so then as that guy that's that's reading the tip and the outside or going out the back, it's so much easier to be able to push off and you don't have to account for that tip ball knowing that that hook ball or the, gone, the, or the, yeah, the, the guy that's going releasing it out the back, it goes too early. It's so much easier to read, and so, like I said, we're using Ireland as the example. That's world class, but I um, mean, you know, for our viewers, if you look at that, if you see it's going too early, look at the um, the movements of the guys that are in that kind of pod, and see if they're doing it too early, or they're going right to the line with the great animation of tipping out and going out the back. Because I think, as a defender, I'm just thinking as a forward. As soon as you see someone's hips spin towards the sideline, mm. you know they're passing. They're not going to run that way, are they? Yeah. So that's the key mm -hmm. cue as a viewer. If you're seeing guys giving the, if they're in that ball where they catch it and they're swinging their hips to turn, 
then that's not going to commit a defender. But if they're looking right at it, and then almost it's a no look. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've yep. almost got to trust your skill set and just put it out there. And that takes repetition, repetition, repetition during the week Yeah. to build the courage to yep. do it. Well, you're throwing a no look here like you've done it a million times. Oh, just, like, a, right? just yes. a couple, you know, but normally just tuck it under and then I just get absolutely pole drive back about <laughs> six, minute, six metres. But, yeah, I'm retired now, so I can pretend I was good. <laughs> but to take it back to where this conversation absolutely started, which was with Quintu Pyer and allowing him to be himself within a system, um, I feel like what we've seen from Roger Tuivasa-Shek can also work like that. And while he's not necessarily bash and crash, his late movement at the line allows a very similar vantage line kind of area. Yeah, and I think if he can build in time his late movement at the line and then distribute, then you're really going to start asking questions of defence because you, you're just going to have all sorts. So he, his game's going to only get better. Mm. Um, and he's a, he's a real option. And he's got a real point of difference, doesn't he? Does. I think one thing I think one thing that um, you'd probably like to see Rogers do a little bit more is probably just the the, the kicks um, as well, Jip. Hmm. I think probably at the next level, you know, if there's a bit of pressure through, you know, if it's Bodie or Richie at 10 and you've got the ability to be able to rip it back to that guy if he's going to be 12 in that kind of second pivot role, getting off the ball, um, I think it'd be just nice to see possibly um, seeing that kick into space, um, a long kicking game or even little grubbers on the edge because, look, yeah, his, his footwork and being able to get through contact is such a positive um, in his game and he's been able to um, get defenders to miss and been able to go over the, over the advantage line. Um, I just like, you know, it'd be just good to see if he can be able to bring that kicking game in and been able to see um, how that goes because you're going to need that at the next level. Love to see um, his defensive chase down a white too. Yeah. Man, when he just Which, put the afterburners yeah. on, eh? like he just mowed him down with ease. I was yeah. like, man, he's a lot quicker than you think. Yeah, and over yeah. a long period of time as well. Like he yeah. had to run 60 metres to get to the point where he put the afterburners on. And if you use Stevie as an example, like Stevie's quick, and, mm. and you watch him, when, when he decides to pin his ears, he's like, and you know, I know it was a high tackle that he got penalised for, but <laughs> it was still pretty impressive. Yeah, it was a necessary tackle. It ne well, it needed to happen. Yeah, if you didn't get him there, he might not have got him at all. No, and he would have been angry because he, he dropped the ball, so it would have given him the grunt to get there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, another game over in Australia over the weekend was the Reds versus Moana Pacifica. Uh, the Reds, 34, Moana Pacifica, 22. Now, Moana Pacifica obviously have two games to finish off Super Rugby season. They've got a game against the Force on Tuesday, and they also have the game against... Uh, no, they don't. Uh, where are we? I've just lost my page here. Against the Brumbies as well, this time at home. So when we look at that and how they're going, what is success for Moana Pacifica over the next two weeks to end up their first season and not be in a place where this is kind of in the doldrums? Well, I think we have to acknowledge the amount of rescheduled games. Like, no other team has faced that. So you have to acknowledge that, and it's their first season in Super Rugby Pacific. So there, there has been some elements out of their control, and, and no doubt... They would have targeted a few games, you know, the Drua, they potentially would have targeted a few more Aussie derbies, but, you know, through situation, whether it's illness, injury, they haven't been able to get that consistent team on the paddock. Um, but I think we've, at times, we've seen how good they can be and will be. It'll be that, probably the consistency over the 80 minutes, because in patches, they had a lot of ball, a lot of territory um, on the weekend. Um, and, you know, statistically, they had more defenders beat and they had equal line breaks. So they create the opportunity, it's going to be the finishing. Mm. Um, is, is key and then in time I think their defensive structures will only get better and better as the players learn each other like it does take a bit of time um, as Bryn will allude to but um, you know I think the next two weeks if they can get one out of two 
uh, and, and prop themselves up potentially with a couple of bonus points and, and somehow find a way to you know 13th then I think they'll they'll be pretty happy with the way they've fought out of a, a challenging season more for them than most. Mm. Mm. Difficult being an expansion franchise even more difficult when luck just doesn't go your way Bryn. Oh yeah yeah to acknowledge I think it brings up a great point around their uh, their scheduling uh, it's been brutal and I think you know first and foremost to be able to um, to you know, go down to Queenstown and be able to start in the Super Rugby Aotearoa, the kind of first part of the comp and playing in those derby games and, um, you know, having rescheduled through COVID, um, you know, being able to, you know, not play, um, you know, week to week. It's been able to be, um, you know, games here and there, storm kind of weeks of playing back to back. And then the ability to be able to, you know, come to the back end of the season, probably not getting the results they probably wanted playing these Australian teams. You know, the Fijian draw was probably a game, you know, they obviously had that on that schedule that they were wanting. And I think, yeah, you know, what, what Jip said around um, the finishing, being able to do that more consistently because, yeah, like you said, they dot so, you know, in a lot of games, they've had a lot of opportunities, whether it be through um, long passage of play and not being able to finish, or whether it be some weeks might be through set piece, not getting the set piece right um, in those big moments or defensively as well, um, not getting there right. But um, I think a good result, probably the first, these next two games has been able to, um, a win would be great. But I think for, you know, from Aaron Major, you know, being able to just um, have a real enjoyment of the last two weeks and what they've been able to do um, and been able to uh, collectively come together as a group. You probably think um, refresh the group and been able to have a lean menu um, and just going out and really expressing expressing themselves and being able to, um, you know, if, if that comes for a win or it's an intent and, you know, we're seeing a um, better intent and being able to play a little bit better, um, then I think that's a successful result for them because, look, it's been brutal. The schedule has been absolutely brutal for that team. And um, if they can get a win um, or they show improvements in certain areas that they want to, that's a, that's a good way to end their season, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we have a look at our Super Rugby Dream Team? Oh, yeah. yeah let's, let's get into it, what the boys are into. So Super Rugby Dream Team, of course, is what we're doing each week to see who the best players in Super Rugby are. Get into it on rugbypass.com. Put your team in. If you are the closest to the team everyone's picked, you get yourself a subscription. Uh, this week, Caleb McPhee, you're the winner. And, of course, the winner at the it's end Caleb. is... Caleb. Go, Caleb. You've done well. Good on you, Caleb. Um, at the end of the season, the winner will come on here. And I presume that's the end of the Super Rugby season. So we're only a few weeks away yeah. from having someone come on and absolutely slate us for being all over the place. So let's get into it. Your dream team for the week, Jibber. Uh, one, Tavita Muffalel from the Canes, Ricky Jackson at two, uh, Angus Tarvel at three, uh, I've kept Tucker, I thought he, he got through his work for the Blues, uh, Sima Penny Finau at five, Blake Gibson who was close to my player of the round at six, Dalton Papali'i at seven, Will Harris from the Tars at eight, Bryn Hall at nine, Yes. Oh. Bryn Gatland at ten, I, I do want to <laughs> make mention of Morgan Burke and Barrett. It was a really tough position for me to pick that ten, but I just, you know, I just thought Gatlin was outstanding when he runs the line like that, and um, you know his willingness and courage on D. Mm. If you look just before half time, you watch how he rushes out and he, he stops a certain try for the force, puts them back in. That that period of D before half time was crucial in that game and giving them the ability um, to get out there. And he was good both sides of the ball. Um, Lester Fyinganuku at eleven. Uh, 12, Quintapaya, 13, Billy Proctor, 14, Julian Savia, my player of the round, and 15, Shea Fihaki. Mm. 
Julian mm. Savia was pretty damn scary. And that goosey with the fin. I've already spoken about it, but it's just... <laughs> then the pick through the middle. Oh, outstanding. <laughs> Looking good. Is he in your team? Yeah, Jules is. Yep, he is. He um, he snuck through um, with, I think, Sevi played well, but I think, yeah, uh, yeah, Jordan Sevi was, was outstanding for the Hurricanes on the weekend. So um, I'll start with the big boys. Um, I had the Chiefs popping duo. I think um, Gus and Adam Ross, they were they were great on the weekend. I actually had the, also a notable mention for DLB, who I thought was great for the Highlands in a losing in a losing game. Um, we had Ricky Jackson at, at Hooker. Uh, we went Finau. I was going to go Swain um, from the Brumbies. But um, his yellow card, unfortunately, makes him miss out for um, for Sam Whitelock. From same this four trio, tough disciplinarian. He is. He's yeah. a man of he's a man of of the law. He's a man of the cloth. <laughs> I've got uh, Blake Gibson, Dalton Papali, and Ethan Blackheader, and then I've got nine. I've got TJ, who I thought was uh, was great on the weekend, back to his sniping best and influenced the game really nicely for the Hurricanes. I've actually gone. Um, well, I've got to go for Fergus Burke as my player of the round, but. Gatlin was, was, was pretty close, um, especially with his running game and what he brought to that Chiefs game. I've gone Leicester. Uh, I've also gone Quinn. I thought Jack Goodhue went close. Yeah. He had some nice touches, but um, yeah, I think Quinn's just pipped him. I've gone Billy Proctor from the examples that I've used and those selflessness and his um, ability um, to run those lines and also carrying the ball as well in his defense. I've gone Julian Severe, and then I've gone Shea Fihaki at fullback. Well, why don't we finish off with a look towards this round ahead, the final round of the round robin with so much at play. Um, let's skip through to Friday. The Crusaders against the Reds. Crusaders. I'd say by plenty. Yeah. I just think the Reds have, yeah, they're just not the same team that was coming out the, you know, back of that first part of the, the comp. And the machine is rolling. It's rolling. Well, back us. Well, back us, thanks. <laughs> well put. Uh, the Drua against the Chiefs, Bryn. Uh, Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs. I'm looking forward to Lautoka, though. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a, it's going to be great scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's exciting. Um, they they do love the Drua. They, from what I understand, the Crusaders are the number one team in Fiji outside of that. Like I remember going to that game between you and the Chiefs, the very first one. And it was absolutely ridiculous, like the amount of Crusaders what, supporters. It's a it's a different beast um, in Fiji, and I know Clayton McMillan. He'll probably be thinking around. I remember his experience. We, we went over there from New Zealand, Maori, and we played Fiji over there, and we got absolutely we got pounced in that game. We got smashed in that game. Uh, it's a different beast when you play in their conditions in front of their people. Mm. And I know that probably Clayton will be using that experience he had in New Zealand, Maori, to know that you know there's a there's a storm coming. There's a big. It's a big, um, big contact session coming, coming your way as a, as a Chiefs Manor uh, players. And they're noisy. It is loud at that stadium. Yep. It's really loud. That's oh, going to be a doozy. It's doozy. Actually, the other thing Chiefs 1-12 to 12 could be a good punt. Mm. Bet responsibly, though, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> $2. Um, at, $2. I can't bet. No, so no, you can't. Job. I'm just saying to the, you know, the listeners, it could be, you know, based on what I'm hearing here, guys, is, you know, it could be a tight fixture. Yeah, it could be a tight fixture, absolutely. Um, just to say, I'm not sure if I've said this on the show before, the best toilets in all of Super Rugby. In any Test Match stadium I've been to, you go into the toilet and there's a window in front of you and you can see the game. 
like the ground is in front of you. So that's, there's no, you know, that's forward thinking. It's brilliant. So there's a urinal, just it's about a 10 meter urinal, and you can all line up. And it doesn't matter if you go during the game because you can still watch the try get scored. It's, it's incredible. Outstanding. Yeah. There you go. It's all, it's all world sports. Yeah. You've got to have your window out of the loo. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Fiji Stadium, strength setters. <laughs> Head of the game. Uh, MP versus the Brumbies, Bryn. Yeah, Brumbies. Yeah, Brumbies. They'll, they'll, they'll want points. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Waratahs Blues? Blues. Blues. Yep. Um, by much? Yep. Yep. <laughs> 12 and over. 13, 13 plus. 13 plus. 13 plus. If you were allowed to bet, Bryn, would you be looking at that? I'd go Blues. I'd just be interested to see what squad they're going to send out. Um, so, depending on Blues are going to win, but um, you'd be interested to see what their selections are, knowing that they've um, sewn up the first position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Force v Canes? Canes. Yep, Canes. I actually, Canes I actually think the Force have got the harder travel. Because they're yeah. playing Tuesday, and <laughs> I know they're going home, and that sounds ridiculous, but... Yeah, no, no, that is. That's much more difficult. Yeah. You've got you've to not just get your body right. You've then got to make that massive trip. And they've been on tour, and depth is tested, so, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty difficult. The Hurricanes, home advantage. <laughs> <laughs> over in Perth. and the There Re- are a lot of Kiwis over there. <laughs> there are, there are. The Rebels versus the Highlanders, Bryn. It's a hard one because the Rebels put on such a good fight against the Chiefs on an afternoon game at home. I do think Hodge's injury looked quite bad and he is a key player, so I think I'll stick with the Landers. The Landers, and that gets them in at eighth place and lining up the Blues more than likely. So that's kind of uh, actually not a bad effort from the um, traditional New Zealand sides, the five of them being in the top eight is a pretty strong showing, yeah. um, especially considering the strength we've seen from the Aussie teams this year. Mm. Um, in fact, if you look at it, you look at that table, tradition is what it's all about. You've got the Reds, the Waratahs and the Brumbies, and then the five New Zealand teams that have always been there. I think the that's what eight. we both picked at the start of the year. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it says a lot. Not, about, yeah. You got you got one on in Egypt. Oh, you went so four, say. You went on in force, and you yeah. went Waratahs. Yeah. Mm. Yep. It says a lot yeah, about having nice. long-term structures in place and what that means to being successful. Like, absolutely, and that's what you know with MP and the drawers. You know, I use defensive system because it is something that you've got to do and know your mate inside and out, and that takes a lot of time, and that may be a couple of seasons, mm. and that means you've got to keep the same squad as well. Yeah. Yeah. Tough job. Tough gig. Tough gig. Speaking of tough gigs. Bryn Hall, this weekend, good luck against the Reds at home. Thanks, mate. Looking forward to another good occasion. Maybe seeing you in the Dream Team again next week. Yeah, well, you went well. You, know, you don't Thanks. score 61 points unless that ball's been distributed at pace. <laughs> Those wide, fast balls cutting out four or five defenders, you know? That's what it's all about. It's outstanding. Allowing his team to play flat and fast. <laughs> Thank you, Bryn. Thank you, Jipper. Another Aotearoa rugby pod out of the way. We'll see you next week when we know exactly who is in the semis and where they'll be playing. Actually, the quarterfinals, isn't it? It's the quarterfinals, I'm sorry. Sorry to get that right. Semis. <laughs> That's the semifinals. We'll, we'll see you all next week. Um, enjoy your footy. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.